Hello, you're listening to the ifanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 151, sponsored by InStock Trades, the Mid-Ohio Con, and Netflix. <laughs> That's terrible. You can't talk like that. Oh god, we have a real one here. Shit. <laughs> ifanboy.com pick of the week podcast episode 151 that's like a liquor or something right One yes yeah oh, of course connor knows i am josh i'm here with connor hello and ron could not be with us today uh, like last time he had to be punished he's he's in uh he's in a special bin that we keep <laughs> when he get in the bin <laughs> and we have a hose so uh with us now for the first time ever i believe is uh, our staff writer sonia harris hello hi sonia Hi. I'm not Ron, just so you know. I think that that's abundantly clear. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> you can read Sonia's column every Friday on ifanboy.com, and you should, because she certainly brings a different take to it than, for example, I do. This week's was about uh, bras, so you know, I could do that. I would have written about male underwear, but I don't have male bits, so I don't know what kind of support male superheroes might need. I think it depends on the – anyway, uh, at <laughs> ifanboy.com, uh, we like comic books, so we read a lot of them. We write about them, and then we come here and talk about them on the podcast. Uh, every week, one of us is tasked with picking the best book that they read that week, and that becomes the pick of the week. And we write a review about that over on ifanboy.com and then come here on the show, talk about it and other books from the week, and that's what we're going to do. Before we get going, there is a spoiler warning in effect, which is sort of like a hurricane warning but far less dangerous. However, you may need to evacuate if you haven't read your books. Yeah, that sounded dirty to me. That's where the word evacuate has gone in my mind. Anyway, evacuate your bowels. I went there too. Yeah, yes. See? I'm not sorry. One. You're a dirty girl. Anyway, Connor has the pick of the week. So. <laughs> are you? I hadn't noticed. Just saying, that's we are. We are in the toilet. Our yeah. minds. Or the yes. loo. Gutter. Yeah, toilet. Same thing. Fucking hell. Connor, you got to pick. Go with it, mate. Oh, jeez. Echo, <laughs> Echo number six was the pick of the week this week from Terry Moore. And everyone who listens or has listened to the show knows that uh, while I did like Strangers in Paradise, Terry Moore's first work, I didn't seem to fall head over heels in love with it like a lot of people have, like Josh and Ron have. So for me, Echo has been a great surprise because I, I bought it on a whim. I, I normally would have waited for the trade on a book like this, but I've li- I liked the first issue a lot. And I liked every issue more. Every subsequent issue has been better, I, I think, because he gets deeper and deeper into these characters. And really, this is all about the characters. And this issue, in particular, I thought, had, had just fantastic character stuff. We learn more about the main character, Julie. We learn more about Dylan, her partner in running from the government. And we we just get some great little bits. And then there's a fantastic cliffhanger that had me wanting more. And in a week full of great books, I had about four or five books that I had in contention for the pick of the week this week. And But this is the one I looked at and thought... Of all those books, this is the one I really want to know what happens next the most. And this is the one that really got me. And I'm, I'm happy because Terry Moore is a creator I've wanted to like more than I have. And now I'm finally starting to get it. I'm finally starting to see it. And I think Echo's a fantastic book for that reason. Yeah, I, w- I would say that you're dead on about the fact like every issue has gotten better than the one before it. And, and what's funny is that I remember when the first issue came out, we talked about it on here. And my review of it was like, it was very nice, but, you know, not a lot happened. You know, there was, it was very, very introductory. There wasn't really even a lot of plot yet, it felt like. And, and it almost felt like the issue wasn't enough to contain it. Like, maybe a double-sized issue would have been better for the first one. Yeah, I can see that. It was, it was thin. Yeah, and, I mean, we talked to Terry Moore. And he basically said, yes, I'm writing it so that it reads really well in larger form. Because he's, he, I find that his pages are very expan- like expansive. He likes to put a lot of stuff in them so that in 22 pages, he doesn't really have a lot of time to move the plot forward all that much. However, on the other hand, each issue adds to it so that each issue, you've got more backstory and content that, that all the things make more sense, and, and it, it's been more fun every time. So you're absolutely right about that. If you're not reading Echo, the story is that there was a, there was a girl named Julie, and she was out in the park, I think it was a national park, taking photographs, and above her there was a military experiment happening unbeknownst to her, and it, 
it went wrong, and there was an explosion, and she got rained down on with liquid metal, which covered her and her truck, and she ran home. She went home, and the liquid metal formed into a big piece, which stuck to her body like a chest plate, and she can't... <laughs> And she can't Man, get it. I hate when that happens, Jeez. <laughs> and the she, worst. Can't, she can't get it off, and the government wants it back, and, and she's <laughs> on the run from the government. It's very science fiction-y. It's not at all superhero-y, but it's also not straight indie relationship drama. There's a bit of that, but it's it's also very science fiction The thing that I really, really liked about this particular issue was there's lots of great comic book things in it. And, and what I mean by that is he really plays with the, the form. There's a lot of silent pages in this, and he does a great job with... with conveying the story without any dialogue. There's a whole, basically a whole sequence at the end where it's all silent. And his art is so strong that he can do something like that. He's such a good, good comic book artist. He conveys emotion. He conveys faces. You can always tell what the characters are thinking and feeling. And he tells the story. There's never any confusion. And I, know, I remember one thing we talked about early in the run was that the girls were too similar looking. Mm-hmm. That Ivy and Julie were too similar. But at this point, I have no problem telling them apart. Yeah, I think that he remedied that a little bit by... I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at the first one, but now you can see that Ivy's hair is is black, dark, dark black, and Julie's is not that dark. I guess I don't know if he's trying to, but it's oh, he's drawn in a different, different way. Different color hair. That's the mark of a really great artist. Well, also their faces have a different shape now. If you look at their eyes, okay. they're different. Okay. Uh, he's colored in Ivy's lips and Julie's arms. <laughs> well, no, these okay. are, but these are the things that you got to do when you're only working with black and white. Come yeah. on, did Maggie and Hopi ever look the same? Who? He could draw them looking like different people. Uh, Love and Rockets. But oh. I think maybe he saw the issue and realized they looked too similar and, they, and Ivy's face has changed slightly since then. Mm-hmm. Her eyes are a bit different now. Or the shape of her face is different. So even hair color aside, they've got different faces now, which is good. Yeah. I think okay. the character stuff was great because he revealed it through conversation. It wasn't like there's, it, the whole thing is basically a conversation between Julie and Dylan at a diner while they have pancakes. And we learn about Dylan. We learned about Annie, Aunt Dilla's girlfriend, who blew up in the explosion. The great thing about this issue was we learned that there's more to Julie than meets the eye, apparently, because the Ivy, the investigator chasing her from the government, found something in her apartment. Uh, we don't know what it is. To paraphrase uh, bad Brad Pitt, <clears throat> what's in the box, man? <laughs> what, what's in the box? Something's in the box, and that's exciting. I just love this series. I didn't really connect with the Strangers of Paradise characters, but I'm really connecting with all of these characters. I know... As low as I am to get into this, I know that Sonya is not a fan of Terry Moore's at all. Well, I just really objected to the way he portrayed women in Strangers in Paradise. They were melodramatic and tedious and very, very, very dull. And I, I really hate that people tell me all the time that this man knows women because he doesn't know women I like. And he certainly doesn't know any women I've ever met. So uh, I can't really buy his comics well on the other hand i've been in like rooms full of women who are like you speak to us terry and you know maybe it was some mania thing but there are people out there who connect that work i think Have you, so what do you think of this as opposed to strangers in paradise did you read it like maybe not of course not fucking hell i don't like the guy i mean <laughs> what can i say i gave him a really good go i read two trades of strangers in paradise and they were ridiculous and everyone looked like the same tedious people and there was no differentiation between the characters. They made no sense. They had no logic. They were really, really self-involved and dull. And all of their drama was around their boring relationship. Why would I go back for more? Isn't that what a regular you know, person's life is? I mean, that's, that's where most that's, people don't have drama in their life except their, their boring relationships. That's what we have to deal with. Well, their boring lives are more boring than people I know. And also, I don't read comics to read about boring people. I I read unrealistic comics about exciting people with more interesting lives than my own. I I can't chop up people, so I want to read comics about people that chop up people. What book is that? (laughs) Well, I just got through a dead space. Oh, We're going to get to that in a minute, but I think I can see Sonya's point of view because I had a... I think one of my criticisms was I didn't like any of the main characters in Strangers in Paradise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that lessened a bit as I read. I think I read the first four tra- four or five trades of Strangers in Paradise. And that lessened a bit as they got more explored. But I would say Echo is completely different from Strangers in Paradise. The characters are really? different. So the worth char- a go, you're saying. The, the characters are different. They're older. It's not about relationship drama. It's, it's, it's sci-fi. It's being chased okay. by the government. I would say that the feel is different. If you don't like his the way he, his characters, you may not like the book. But I think it's I don't think it's similar in that. It's a different kind a of, of people, story. 
It's a different kind of story. A lot of people complained about his portrayal of men in Strangers in Paradise. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't good either. <laughs> I find Dylan is a very inter- interesting and, and good guy. Mm-hmm. He's not domineering. He's, he's not a doormat like David. He's like a, just a nice dude. So I, I really think, for me, I can see both sides of the Strangers in Paradise argument, but I think Echo's a completely different book. I think it's a different kind of style and it's a different he's sci-fi also, story. you know, since if you read the first two, that was what, 15 years ago? You know, yeah, has he evolved, would you say? I he's would say on? so. I think if you look through this book, my favorite mm. thing about it is you take out the word balloons and the face acting is so strong mm. that you can actually kind of tell what everybody's feeling and what they're going through at a given time. Like, and that part to me is amazing. Like He he does faces as well as Kevin McGuire. Like, his, wow. his actual character acting in there is some of the most impressive stuff out there. And it's the kind of thing that if you don't stop to notice it, you may never notice what it is you're looking at. No, that's where the story gets told. I'm, okay, you've piqued my interest. Ooh. They're acting. It's like you don't get that a lot. Kevin McGuire and, and Terry Moore, and there's not a lot of art, actors, artists who make the characters act in their books. Is there mm-hmm. any chance that it's uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's head in that box? That would be, that would be a nice twist to the story. I, re- I wouldn't see that coming, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> It would go off in a different turn. <laughs> Another book that was up there for pick of the week was Scalped 21 and the return of R.M. Guerra to the penciling duties. I read this and I was like, oh, Connor's going to have to pick Scalped again. That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're out of stuff to say about it. <laughs> I laid out my books like I do on the floor and I'm done reading and I look at all the covers and I, and I filter out the, bat, the ones that aren't pick of the week worthy and I get down to the last bit and it was five books or four books and this was definitely one of them. And... It's just it's scalped. I mean, it's the same thing every time. It's just uh, you know this book from a structural standpoint. Like, if you're going to structure a single issue and have a story, basically the very first page has Chief Red Crow, who is he's got to be one of my favorite new characters or new villains. I guess he's a villain in in the is isn't he the greatest character? I love him. Exactly. And he's got so much depth to him. The, so the first page is he's sitting in a car all grimly, and he looks back at his little pouch on the back seat. And he apologizes to the pouch. And then he goes inside. That's the place where his daughter works, correct? Yes. Okay, and then there's some gunshots. And and that was three weeks from now. And then we go back to now. And this whole story goes on. And, of course, it leads to what that little pouch is, sort of. Now, in the middle of all that, which is a brilliant bit of structure anyway, there is another scene where Red Crow goes into a hotel room and has this weird conversation with a little scary man. And then you pull out, and there is a bunch of chopped up bodies on the bed right next to them that you hadn't seen the whole time. And all of a sudden, that conversation takes on a whole other context. And it was just... I don't think I've seen this kind of scene done in comics enough. And it seems so simple, but, like, he's just... Oh, my God. He, he finished, and I was just like, that's that's just brilliant work. Well, there's a reason why I think he's, you know, one of my new favorite writers. Mm-hmm. He's so good. And I don't know what it is about R.M. Garam. Whatever magic synergy they have together makes this book so much more special when he's back drawing it. It also reads great in issues. Yeah, I mean, this is an issue of a comic book. So for all the people like, oh, just writing for trades or whatever. And you know what? Honestly, if I'm Jason Aaron, I would be writing for the trade because that's the where he's going to make his money on this book. It's not like this sells a ton of issues. Yeah. But he's making the issues really good too. And that's laudable, I think, because he probably doesn't really have to. Man, it's going to suck when this book gets canceled. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh. Well, don't say that. It's my worldview. It's dark and bleak inside. Mm-hmm. It's all dead enders. Everything. <laughs> Zoom <laughs> scarred ever since the Dead Enders. All Star Superman number twelve, the final issue from Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. Josh, you're on the trade on this, right? Yes, and I would like to stay that way, only because right. there's only one more. So, go ahead, whatever it is you're talking about, weird Grant Morrison shit that I'm not going to remember. But Sonia, you read this, right? Mm-hmm. What'd you think of it? It's more wonderful Grant Morrison, Frank Quitely, crazy shit. It's good stuff. I like it. You're really into the wacky Grant Morrison stuff, right? You you like the Invisibles and Doom Patrol and that kind of thing. Like, yeah, that's your... Okay. You know what's funny? I didn't know I liked Grant Morrison until you guys did that big Grant Morrison fan fest. Grant Morrison week. Yeah. yeah. Everything was about Grant Morrison. And I said, oh, you know, I don't, I don't really follow writers. I don't have any Grant Morrison. What has he written? And Connor was like, oh, he wrote this and this and this and this. And I was like, oh, I have all those things. So... Yes, I like him. Now that I know I like him, I can more consciously enjoy that. But I did not know. So it's your fault, really, that I like him. I'd like to take some credit for Grant Morrison's success, but (laughs) I don't believe that would be fair to him. What we have here is is the wrap-up. In the 11th issue, Lex Luthor escaped from prison, and he got these 
the powers of Superman for 24 hours, which is what he'd given to Lois early in this series. So Lex Luthor is now wrecking havoc on Metropolis, and he writes a great evil Lex. Lex is just... Mm-hmm. But he's also brilliant. At the same time, he's a super genius, so while he's being evil, his heightened powers have affected his brain, so he's having all of these deep thoughts like in, in the midst of all this madness mm-hmm. and thinking about how, you know all the things he could do with his power now. He's trying to fight between the, the impulse to destroy everything but also to fix everything with his brain. And also I, that lovely moment where he realizes how much his change in perception is changing his feelings about what he wants. It's like, um, did you see that film, The Lives of Others, that German film? No. You've got to see it. But German this, this man, The Lives of Others, it's a German film. And German? what's amazing in it is that it's about a man who's forced to listen in, the East German police, that he's listening in on these subversive artists. And just through overhearing the literature and the art and music that they're constantly exposing themselves to, he begins to develop a conscience. And he can't be as much of an asshole. And I feel like this is a comic about Lex Luthor reaching that point. Yeah, well, at the very end, he's, as, he, as Superman's beating him, he says, no, I, I saw how to save the world. I could have made everyone see. I could have saved the world if it wasn't for you. I and mean, he's still angry at Superman, but now he sees he could have been doing more mm-hmm. and not have been so such a dick. But <laughs> And it's laudable. I mean, I like that Grant Morrison is using even this really hokey scenario to convey the intense beauty of existence. Yeah. The downside of this issue, that I, the reason why it wasn't picked, because I thought it was a little, it was a bit too much crammed into this final issue. Mm-hmm. I felt like it could have been a double-sized issue, or mm-hmm. maybe he needed the 13th issue, but there was a lot to wrap up, and while he did wrap it up, it felt like it happened very quickly. Yeah, whereas some of the other issues were a little bit, you know, slow. Wasn't that the Grant Morrison thing? I mean, didn't, didn't like, endings went real fast. It was like, big idea, big idea, all this neat stuff. All right, let's wrap it up. Let's get out of here. <laughs> and that's something, something that does often happen. I do wonder, I should sit down and read this all together and I'll be interested to see when Josh finishes it what he thinks as a big chunk I gave it a 5 on my fanboy it's just that it was just a slightly too much in it mm-hmm. to make it the best book of the week it was, it was still a 5 star book right you know what's funny is that I was really surprised to have liked the book I mean with me Grant Morrison's very hit or miss I love some things he does other things I just can't connect to and I'd read the first issue of All-Star Superman and I thought yeah not really for me much later I went back and I got that first volume that came out 8 years ago I think really I loved it I mean, a lot. I was kind of surprised at how much I liked it, so I'll be excited to finish it, I suppose. And then at the end, there's a oblique hint that they might they may have more stories. They're not promising any, but it's possible that they'll work for return. Yeah, that'll be this. like the second Marvel Boy series. We're not going to see it. <laughs> anyway, Frank Wiley, oh, he, it's just, he's... Oh, amazing. I'll take him as slow as he has to draw, because whatever he does is fantastic. Amazing Spider-Man 572 was also another possible pick of the week. And Ron's not here to talk about this with me, which is unfortunate because no one else is reading this. But this series has been great, and John Romita Jr. is fantastic, even though they can't figure out how to color the way he draws the Osborne hair. This is the return of the Green Goblin. Norman puts the suit back on. And it's, I don't know what it is about the Green Goblin and his suit, but when he puts it on, it's instantly terrifying. Is this the same Norman Osborn who's heavily embroiled in the secret invasion? Yes, this is Spider-Man versus the Thunderbolts, this storyline. Okay, so this is actually tied into that. Sort of. I mean, it's not tied into Secret Invasion, but the, oh. the Thunderbolts are here. The, the Thunderbolts came to collect Spider-Man. They ran into Venom's on the Thunderbolts. They ran into Anti-Venom, who was Eddie Brock, the original Venom. He's, he got cured of cancer, but at the same time developed these Anti-Venom powers where he, instead of the symbiote eating you away, he heals you when he touches you. So He's, uh, the, he's the Jesus Venom, then. Kind of. <laughs> And uh, so that in the midst of all this, the Thunderbolts are here, and then and then in this issue, Norman goes back to his apartment in Manhattan and goes back into his Green Goblin lair, and he puts, he puts the suit back on and goes extra crazy. There's a scene where he goes back to the Thunderbolts headquarters dressed as Green Goblin, and the, the team looks at him and goes, oh, like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is about that, that costume, because it, it, on the surface, it's hokey, it's green and purple, and it's, you know, but the history behind it and what he represents, and I'm, as I die here, is that... It's terrifying because he is crazy and he's Spider-Man's greatest villain. And the unfortunate part about Thunderbolts is that he's sequestered off to the side. We don't we don't see him with Spider-Man ever. And then it ends with the Return of the Scorpion. Good. This has been a fantastic issue. I, I really I've really been enjoying yeah, it this. Seems like the, but the, it seems like the changing of the creative teams give you like an on arc and an off arc and like this was the problem with good. the creative team changes is it's hard to feel consistent and not they're bad. Some arcs have been not as good, but even when they are good arc to arc, it's still the feel of the book changes when you've got different writers and artists on it. Mm-hmm. 
And with this arc, it's six issues, so you've got a nice sustained arc going. Right, and you get it every week or thereabouts. Yeah. That's it's been cool. every week so far, and it's been John Romita Jr. art every week. God, he must have started drawing that forever ago. <laughs> Captain Britain and MI-13 number five came out. I really like this book. I'm glad they're done with Secret Invasion. They can get on with it. I yeah. think that that's a really good thing. You know, what's funny is that he's when we talked to Paul, he was like, we're bringing Blade onto the team. And I, I will. I had a little reservation. I thought that's going to be odd, but it's such. It's a really nice mix. But the thing that I really liked about this issue was when Phasia and Dane went to visit her parents. Great scene. It, it was a great scene, and it was intercut throughout the whole thing, so it wasn't you know over really fast. We had to keep going back to it as just we were at the same time we were being introduced to Blade, and it was just it was kind of awkward, and it was. To be completely honest, it was sort of the scene that only a British guy could write. Yeah, it's a very British feeling book. This issue came in second. Like I was holding this and Echo in each hand, in one hand mm-hmm. when I was trying to decide what was going to be the pick. So it was going to be this or Echo when it came mm-hmm. down to it. And the reason why it was almost this was because there's so many great things that Paul Cornell does in this book. The scene with Faze and Dane is great, and one of the reasons I really liked it was because Faze's dialogue. This is also a production thing where. She would talk to Dane, and then she would get kind of lose her confidence, and the dialogue would get smaller. The, the words with, within the balloons got smaller. Mm-hmm. I noticed that. And I thought that was a great little touch that, you know, she would start to talk quietly. And then there was a great couple of laugh-out-loud moments. He's, he's very funny, Paul Cornell. There's a call to arms, and he writes that it's exciting. He, he writes exciting action, and then the last page is like a stunning cliffhanger. This is a complete package, this issue. Do you read this, Sonia? Oh, I have you, a bit of a problem with English comics and be, English should, comic characters. You should be filled with patriotic fervor. No, it's funny, isn't it? I, I don't really like English comic book characters. They're a bit dorky. <laughs> I, don't, I don't find them as fun as the exciting Americans. They're more sort of like swashbuckling good show chaps, and it just doesn't excite me at all. Not Phaser. I mean, I don't have the same thing with the less upper-class ones, but, like, I can... Constantine, I love, but all these other guys, they're just so terribly good show chaps. It's a bit annoying. I don't know. But Pete Wisdom's not like that. You know what was really nice about this one? I can't remember if it was this issue. I don't think it was, but this was the one where, like, they kept talking about John the Skrull, and I believe... Do they have the end of his... They go to his grave site. Oh, man. How bad do I miss John Lennon the Skrull? That hurts. See, that's exactly, that is the problem I have. See, now, ever since Captain Britain started back in the day with Alan Moore and Alan Davis, it's had this wacky kind of old Avengers feel. And I just don't, it's undignified. It's fun. And maybe if I was altered enough, Wait a minute. I would find it fun. But you don't like the upper class people, but it's undignified. Yeah. That doesn't it make lacks sense. balls. It really does. <laughs> It doesn't, though. You haven't read it, so you don't know. I read number one. Ron really pushed me hard, and I read number one. I'd honestly say that one through four were, to me, a a way to get people to buy it because they could throw that Secret Invasion tag on it. And so now with five, he's starting his own team. Like, he's starting his own book based on that. And maybe it is too close to home, where something to us is, I would say, more novel. To you, is like, oh, it's just like Doctor Who or whatever. If it loses that campy aspect, I'll pick it up. Cause I don't find I'm it campy at all, really. If you thought if she was campy, then maybe it's just a difference in tone mm-hmm. for you. But I don't think it's campy. No, I'm willing to read it. I am. I Try this issue, because five, okay. you know, it's, it's not connected to Secret Invasion anymore. So this is sort of a new issue one, kind of. Mm-hmm. It brings in Blade as, as a member of the team. It, oh, it, really? What? Blade Blade? Yeah, because he, like, he was born and raised in London. Oh, right. Hmm. And I, I, okay. I think you'd like Pete Wisdom. That's what I think. <laughs> okay. You kind of like a female Pete Wisdom. Yeah, I can see that. Hellblazer, 247. This is a great day for Josh. He's got somebody he can talk Hellblazer with. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, don't know if I, can, I don't know if I can keep up. But, I'm going uh, to sit back now and have a drink of water while this goes on. <laughs> this issue, people were very excited and happy about. I'm very happy about it. Yeah. I mean, it brought back Andy Diggle for what might be his last arc, unfortunately, I think. And then Leonardo Manco, who's been the sort of artist oh, on this book forever. Um, gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And what it is is we've been brought back to the Laughing Magician storyline that was started a couple of arcs ago and hinted at where – what's the guy's name? The, the big scary demon guy? Yeah, him. Him. The guy who eats, <laughs> who, the guy who eats mages. To yeah. Own, who's a scary, scary kind of villain. He's like yeah, a, Blokey was his face. Yeah. yeah, he's like an anti anti Constantine. <laughs> yeah, why do I not remember his name either? I guess we are just too scared to say his name. It's like that Harry Potter bloke. Yes, you know? it, it, it might be that kind of thing. Yeah, or we're just really old and spacey. That might be know. it, or it might be that I read a bajillion friggin' comic books all the time. And Who was writing this before 
I thought Diggle was the writer. Diggle, well, I mean, it's, he comes it and goes. Mike Carey for a long time. All right, but I mean, it was Diggle, right. and then I thought it's always been Diggle. It was last Diggle, year. but Jason Aaron did a fill-in. Oh right, right. But what happened? And it is, was good. No, it was Everyone good. was freaking out because he was American, but I liked it. Well, he, because he made the very wise choice to not use John all that much. I think. He and knew, he had dog sex. He yeah. had dead dog sex. But human knew, dead dog sex. That was fucking hysterical. What Aaron did was interesting <laughs> because he didn't. Like he he did kept John out of it, and he kind of was like, "I'm gonna mess up his dialogue if I do him too much." So he was really spare with it, which is nice. Mm. And before that, Diggle did like a little two issue arc, and then now we're going back to something that he set up before. So whereas before, I sold this book to people by saying, "Oh, there's not a lot of continuity things you have to do." This is actually going back to stuff he'd done before, which actually goes back to stuff that had been laid way before him. It's hard because I've been reading this since I was about fourteen or fifteen, mm-hmm. so. It's always been part of my life, so it's very much just part of the fabric. There's no line there. But I believe you could pick this up and not have read those old books and still be excited by the idea of the bones of Santa. Yeah. This is one of those books that, and this issue especially, if you pick up the very first issue, or any issue basically, or this one specifically, and you read that very first page, if you like what this feels like right away, you're going to like the book. And you can pretty much read it. You can go back and read a bunch of stuff, and that will flesh out the past. But these books are, for some reason, seem very, very new reader friendly. Like, you'll get it. It's, it's well, and some of the very stuff. early ones are rubbish. So I, you know, I, bad I art, bad stories. I don't like so. Jamie stuff all that much. No, no. It's a lot of words that don't need to be there necessarily. You know where you should start is the Warren Ellis ones. They were the best ones ever. And you're wrong. You should start with the Garth Ennis ones. But I did a whole <laughs> mini on that. So. <laughs> You know what, though? Actually, I really like the Warren Ellis ones. Those Warren Ellis Hellblazers are the, are the Warren Ellis I really like. Although yeah. they were very much like one issue at a time, little sad tales about horrible people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I felt they were the most English. I actually gave them to friends who do not read comics mm-hmm. and don't read this comic as examples of how funny comics can be. English friends, because yeah. there were wonderful comments on, well, that one about the royal family. I may not have been there yet. I'm actually reading You'll love it. Hey, Hellblazer 247. So that was good. Anyways, he snorts the Reptiles bones. Reptiles living under the water. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, he he, the snorting. Up. Did you have a problem with the snorting? I had a little problem with the snorting. I thought it was a little goofy, but I get yeah. it that what they're trying to do is make a page that looks like that where John is being – I mean the whole point is for John to look at the reader mm. in, in a way that – you know how in Wanted – like the end of it is Wesley looking at the reader and saying, fuck you. Wesley- you know, I'd have been less uncomfortable if he'd shoved it up his ass. I was very uncomfortable with the casual drug use, um, stupid Pete Doherty references. <laughs> it was just really, it, there was something in that terrible show, Nip Tuck, where people snorted stuff. It's just so populist and cheesy. Which is a little if they this wanted- is. I mean, that's what, if you read, like, look at Andy Diggle's stuff. That's one thing is I think he's made it relatively accessible in that way. So maybe that's something to lament. But I see what you're saying. And I think that there may have been a different way to do it, but I think he was trying to shock the reader. And what Yeah, that's the thing. Is, yeah. Well. It's not really shocking to stick white powder up your nose. Depends on the circle you run in. Probably not for John. But that's why he's treating it casually, sort of. I, I just mean in terms of the story, once he'd made it into powder, you were like, oh, fuck, he's going to stick it up his What nose. else was he going to do with it? I don't know. It would have been funnier if he'd done something unexpected well, with it. Well, if you've got to imbibe the bones of St. Nicholas, for example, then you grind them up. What's your next choice? Well, you could smoke it, but that looks too much like crack, which is generally frowned upon. You could put it into a tea of some kind, but that doesn't taste any good, and it isn't going to be as quick as is snorting it. <laughs> Ancient bone tea... Is not it's, got a, it's got a bitter, bitter aftertaste. This is what I'm saying. You can put as much honey as you want in that. but For days, you're just tasting that honey for yeah, days. It ruins, ruins all your meals from then on. Yeah. Snorting things is horrible. I, I just don't think he would have done that. I think he would have found some silly way, some incantation, rubbing it all over his body. I don't know, but putting things up your nose makes the back of your throat hurt. He wouldn't do that. Did you notice He's that not- one other magician in the beginning looks, it's Alan Moore? Yes, I thought first Jesus, and then I thought, no, Alan Moore. No, he's like, <laughs> Alan sort of in this book. <laughs> anyway, this was, this was another fun issue. Andy Diggle, I'm going to be sad to see him go, but the next guy on it is Simon Oliver, so I can't really complain about that. Ooh. Excellent. So this there. Leonardo Manco bloke, I think he is, for me, the perfect, perfect artist. <laughs> he's perfect for this, this book. He's been on yeah, it forever. For, yeah, for this book. Because mm-hmm. you can't do it too cartoony. And you can't do it too realistic because you don't want to see this stuff in perfect detail. It's nasty. 
I like that his style seems to suit the story he's doing. I've seen other stuff that Mango did, and it doesn't look like this. You know, really? It, well, it's, it's a little cleaner. This one he goes for, a, like, he's got a style for this book, which is so nice. Mm, mm. By the way, the guy's name is Mako, which is why there's a shark on the cover. Oh, we are so stupid. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, why would there be a shark? Oh, that's why there's a shark, and it came to me. Great cover, by the way. Wow. We Thanks shark for man. researching that. Uh, the Mid-Ohio Con, which is sponsoring this episode, they are going to be uh, having a, a convention, as they do every year, from October 4th and 5th at the Greater Columbus Convention Center in Columbus, Ohio. That's going to be over Saturday and Sunday, so it's the weekend. A one-day pass, 15 bucks. A weekend pass is 25 bucks. which, by the way, compared to many of the conventions we've gone to, is a deal. And it's one of those sort of smaller cons, so you get a lot of names, but you'll also have time to, to talk to people and see, and it's about comics, which is cool. Chris Claremont, Alan Davis, who I don't think makes a lot of U.S. appearances, Joe Kubert, Alan Dean Foster, of course, Lou Ferrigno, Con Stalwart will be there, Doug Jones, you know, Abe Sapien, hear what I'm saying to you, Jay Muse, Nooch, Ethan Van Skyver, and go ahead, start talking to him, that'll take up half your day, Chris Eliopoulos, Len Wein, Billy Tan, David Mack, many, many, many more, so go to midohiocon.com for details, I wish I could go to that con. I've heard good things about it because so many good creators are so situated in the Midwest. We can't go to every con. We're not Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> How does he do it? Is he not doing anything? He's clearly working out. He goes to cons and he waits for the next Hulk movie so he can have a cameo. I kind of want to go. Alan Davis, David Mack. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number five. This, for me, has continued to be sort of the s- surprise fun series of the year. I guess that would make sense. From Nova, which I really enjoyed, surprisingly, to this book, which I enjoy even more because one of the fun parts about Nova is his interaction with people. But since he's always moving around, you don't get things that keep going onward. But this is a team in, in perfect Marvel team style. They kind of all hate each other, but they're stuck. <laughs> they're literally stuck in this nowhere place. No, K-N-O-W. So it's sort of like the, what's the authority? You know, the, the bleed. The bleed, right. And there's been a scroll infiltration and, and you don't know who to trust in it. Like the little fingers of the Secret Invasion that have gone into all these other miniseries have been really, really interesting. You know, some people would say that spinoffs and things aren't as good. Like, those are the parts of Secret Invasion that I'm enjoying the most, and this is another one. You would think that it would derail the series, but it really fit in very seamlessly, and uh, this is just the most fun. And there was, oh, right, the most fun reveal, I suppose. Oh, even though he wasn't a scroll, he was still a traitor to the scrolls. was a character in this book, and I, I'm going to say it, so deal. It's Cosmo, the Russian space dog. He's been colluding with the Skrulls all along, and I was I was shocked. Some people love that dog. I love that. Dog. I love that dog. I was so pissed off, which makes sense because they've been planting seeds that Rocket Raccoon. I sound like an idiot saying this, but it's really good. <laughs> Rocket Raccoon has been distrustful of the dog the whole time, and you thought it was just like a joke because one's a dog and one's a raccoon, but it wasn't. It was because he was the traitor, and it was it was such a fun reveal. It was so much fun. I love this book. It's great. I would like to begin the discussion of the next book with an apology. I want to apologize to listener Katie, who who messaged me over Twitter asking if she should pick up Flash 244, wondering if it would be better. And I said it couldn't be worse. And I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I jumped back on The Flash with 244 because it's... Alan Burnett is the new writer. He wrote. He was one of the guys behind the animated DC universe. He sure. still is one of the guys behind the animated DC universe, and he wrote some of the other books last year that I liked. The problem is, I think no writer can fix what the problem is, which is the fundamental family scenario. Is this is not Wally West? I care at all about. Mm-hmm. It opens up with him running around to kids, and I just groaned mightily. And then the stuff that happened when it was just a flash running around doing the Flash stuff was okay, but I just don't care about the, this Wally West, so that's a fundamental problem. So I'm jumping back off the book now. But you do off. buy it. You, you buy no, no, it. No, 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 no. I dropped it last year. Okay. For the first time in over a decade. And then I came back for this one, and I'm going off again. But I wanted to quickly share Ron's thoughts on this, because I was curious, because it's a new direction, and he's been the one who stuck the book. Ron's the one who stuck with the book the whole time. And he said... Quote, I saw a new writer in Alan Burnett and I got hopeful, but as I read it, I have to say I don't know what Alan Burnett was writing, but that sure wasn't Wally West, the Flash as I know it. The kids and these merry-go-round of writers have really destroyed any sort of consistency with the character of Wally as the Flash. Jeff Johns can't come to the Flash fast enough. I apologize, Katie. I told you to go ahead and do it, and I, I regret that decision. Jeff Johns is going to retcon the hell out of that family. Or he'll make it good. It'll be amazing. You watch in six issues, it'll be like it never happened. Or it'll be about Barry, and Wally won't be there. Oh, yeah, that's also possible. They're trying to soften the blow when they finally get rid of it because everyone will have hated him so much from it. 
The cover was great. It was by Brian Stelfreeze, and it was misleading because the art style is very sort of standard inside. Nothing was very good about the, the issue. It's just not a Wally I recognize, you know? Right. Dead Space number six, Sonia. I, I read some of these issues. I haven't read six. I read the first couple, and I, I enjoyed them. It ended a bit disappointingly. Did it? I felt like it did, yeah. I thought so, yeah. Are you a big fan <laughs> of the video game? I don't want to spoil it. No, I don't play video games. I don't play any games. <laughs> no fucking time, you know? <laughs> Let There's me so just many, say... So many ways to go with that. Well, tell people... <laughs> first, first, tell people what it, what it is that Dead Space is. Because we haven't talked oh. about it before. See, I didn't even care that it was based on a video game. I really like Temple Smith, and I like what Anthony Johnston was doing. And it's this idea that this strange artifact is found on this planet and it's eliciting odd emotional responses from the other people on the planet and then things start happening people start dying killing themselves killing each other randomly dying uh, nobody knows why should i really spoil the whole thing for people that haven't read it i guess this is a spoiler right yep so the dead bodies start evolving and then there's all this stuff growing all over this base station and destroying all of the cables and no one could communicate and there's these you know as usual in these kind of sci-fi scenarios there's a couple of people who aren't completely annoying and they are trying to get off the planet and they're saving a few people and by the end of course everyone's going to get completely slaughtered in some horrible horrible accident while these disgusting flying dead things are trying to eat them or kill them or who knows what and what really pissed me off was the end kind of like it was just like serenity where it's like oh and i i Careful. i'm the last of them and everybody dies and no i love that film but i'm just saying why do no, that why that end away it people that... get mad you can have spoilers about comics but if you give away that movie like we'll get letters and shit <laughs> that movie from five years ago I know, it's not the point <laughs> trust okay. me okay <laughs> i'm just saying that whole thing of like and now everybody's dead and by the time you watch this i will be too it's like oh come on Seriously? Really? Nobody gets off? You wanted a happy ending from something like Dead Space. No, I wanted somebody to get off and spread the filthy, disgusting disease all over. (laughs) Yikes. Or anything, you know, something unexpected, something not completely hackneyed. Well, they didn't. They had they had to work within the confines of the property that they were. I enjoyed the first three issues. It was very much had an aliens feel in that they're on this outpost and this artifact shows up and it starts affecting everybody. And there's a lot of religious overtones to it because it, mm-hmm. people worship it. It's, it's like an, a religious artifact appears. So there's a split among religion lines, and the people who aren't believers are attacked by people who are believers. So there's a lot of interesting things going on. And Temple Smith art is fantastic. Yeah, it uh-huh. sounds like a book that I would like to see. Temple Smith. Yeah, I really enjoyed the first three. I just hadn't caught up yet. This is the kind of the thing where everybody would get slaughtered. It is standard, but I guess if it's done in a good way, it's fine. I'll know, I'll know more when I get to six. Yeah, I guess I'm just being a bit pissy. I don't know. I, I wanted more. I could have been happy with this as an ongoing book or, or something that was a bit longer that had a bit more of the horrible chase by the disgusting things stuff going on. Yeah, well, it hadn't happened by three, I think. So maybe they needed more of that. Maybe it needed to be like an eight or, t- eight or 12 issue series. Yeah, maybe. The next two books, Robin 178 and Batman The Outsiders 11, are suffering from event-itis in that the Batman RIP book has been delayed. I must be correct in that. I haven't seen an issue in a while, right? I mean, Josh, you're reading it. I guess, yeah. I guess it has been a while. It was funny because didn't the second one come out two weeks after? Yeah, and then it's just been like, I don't know when the last time an issue came out. By the time we get to these books, which have come out on time, the event is over. So we know somewhat about the outcome, which is we've known if you're on the internet and you read things, you knew anyway. But I See, I didn't really... What did it, well, The thing is with these, I figured I missed something. You didn't. They just haven't come out yet. Yeah, I guess that's it. And then it, for a little while, I was thinking that I was like, is this taking place in the past while Batman's in the cave or whatever? But all I know is I didn't read Batman and the Outsiders, but I did read Robin, and they're really strongly hinting, and I wonder if it's a red herring that Tim is going to become Batman or something well, to that effect. Well, everything is changing, and I don't want to talk about it because it is stuff you have to search for on the Internet, and people, I know people don't want to know, and it's, it is spoiling things that haven't come out yet. So I don't want to talk about what's being hinted at, mm-hmm. other than in the issue that, yes, they are hinting that Robin's going to be the new Batman because Batman's disappeared. I mean, no one actually thought he was going to die. They wouldn't kill the $1 billion worldwide grossing golden egg, no. you know, but... He's going to go away for a while, and I'm sure Robin will be the new Batman for a while. They did this already with Dick Grayson about mm-hmm. eight years ago. One thing that I really loved about this issue, though, was Tim's relationship to Dick, which, by the way, sounded horrible. Like, Tim, the way that he thinks about and sort of says things about Dick Grayson, 
is really fascinating to me. What's the younger brother, older brother, like worshiping scenario? I know, and it, it's it's really interesting. And Tim is so sort of driven, and he's so unlike Dick Grayson. And it's really funny because if you think about it, to move along, you know, from one Robin to another, and really come up with two characters that both work but are completely different, that's really that's that's well done. I, I love the Tim Drake character; he's really great. It's a great contrast between the two, mm-hmm. and I like them together. They work really well together. I like the issues. It just magnifies the fact that Batman is delayed and it's affecting everything. Kind of like all these events eventually come back to bite them in the ass. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So, real quick. I imagine in my mind that there was a call at some point and it was like a phone rang in Tony Harris's place. And it was like, Tony's Mark, how about you draw a great big cock? (laughs) And because that great big cock is the only thing that I got out of War Heroes number two. Oh my God, I saw the art for that. Oh. I saw the pencils at the signing a few weeks ago. It was as if he went and found, like, the nastiest porn he could. Man, he was so proud of that. He showed everyone at the party. It was impressive. That was, yeah, he was very excited. And one of my friends actually draws a gay porn comic, and he said it was better than any of the cocks he'd drawn. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. Like, that's all that I remember. And I remember just thinking, (laughs) this is even like the little wisps of an anus. Like, he really... There's more detail on this than anything I've ever seen. And I, the thing is, at the end of the scene, I'm still not entirely sure what happened. I don't it know was who, elegantly drawn, though. It may know? have been, but I don't know who any of these characters are. And I don't know <laughs> anything about them. I don't like any of them. The plot is vaguely interesting. The pages, by the way, are stunning. The tank bench-pressing page, I mean, that's what Tony Harris does really well. Like, you, where you turn a page and you go, oh, you know, like, well, that's really nice. But the very end of the issue where it was like, just tell me what it is we're doing. We're selling our pills to IK. It was like so forced and like telling us. Of course, they're telling us what it is. It was just goofy. And at the same time, I was like, this book is going to piss a lot of people off. And not necessarily in the way like, oh, it's pissing you off, but it's making you think about it. It's just like it felt a little exploitative, maybe. Ugh. I'm definitely waiting on this book to see if I'm yeah. going to pick the trade up or not because I knew it was a dicey proposition going into it. Yeah, I mean, I like it's this. He does this to me every time. He's like the Uber JMS to me. Like the first issue, I'm like, yeah, that's really good. And the, but this, oh, occasionally you get a payoff, like with Wolverine or something like that. Yeah, no, Wolverine. That's the best Wolverine stories have been told in forever. Well, there you go. If this does get, if I do hear more about it and it gets good, then I'll eventually be picking it up at InStockTrades.com. You can save up to 37 percent off your purchases with free shipping on orders over fifty dollars. We've got over 5,400 trade paperbacks in stock and available for order with new releases released every Wednesday. Orders usually ship within 48 hours. You get that all at www.instocktrades.com. It was a, just enormous cock. <laughs> we also like to spotlight some of our user reviews over at lifehandboy.com. You can go there and you can pick your books. You can make a pull list and you can write and review your books. Yeah. So we like to spotlight some of those. <laughs> First up is Mart who wrote about DC Universe Decision number one. He gave a story of one out of five and the art of two out of five and 0.00% made it their pick. <laughs> and he says, there's one great scene in this comic as Robin and Robot Man chat as the former narrows down a list of suspects with witty dialogue and believable deduction. It's let down only by the revelation that Batman has 68 criminals with psychic powers working undercover for him. Er, right. I don't think I'll bother coming back for the next issue. Writers Judd Winnick and Bill Willingham and artists Rick Leonardi, Carl Story, and Dan Green have produced a rather dopey comic, and I'm going to vote in 2008 with my wallet. Now, I read this, so I think I'm probably the only one that did. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it was we t- discussed in the last video show about how they don't do stories that are separate anymore, that you don't have to worry about how they connect to everything. And this is one of those stories. It's just a separate JLA story. And you don't have to worry about Trinity or Final Crisis or Batman or IP. It's just a story featuring the characters that, you know. I enjoyed it. I gave it a 4 out of 5. It- it's election time in the DCU, and somebody is planning to assassinate all of the all of the candidates. Everyone. It's the primary. It's primary season, and all of the primary candidates are from both sides of the aisle. And it's written by Judd Winnick and Bill Willingham, and who, who are opposite sides of the political spectrum. And so they're writing the opposite sides. You know, Judd's, Judd's writing the Democratic side, and Bill Willingham's writing the Republican side. I enjoyed it. And the whole crux of the story is that Green Arrow gets cajoled into to endorsing a candidate, and it's, he's breaking the unwritten rule that superheroes don't get into politics, and now it's the, the ripple effect from that. Hmm. I really enjoyed it. I like Robot Man. Torque weighed in on Action Comics number 869, gave the story a 4 out of 5, and the art a 5 out of 5, and 1.3% of you made it your pick. I do believe that Jeff Johns has managed to deliver a good and interesting brainiac 
with a backstory and power scale worthy of the Superman <coughs> mythos. Between his ability to predict Clark's actions to, to his ability to blow up suns, Brainiac has become a truly frightening figure. This feels very much like a movie. Large scale, big moments, Chris Reeve, but also incredibly short and simple in a lot of regards. Between John's plot and Gary Frank's accomplished pencils, if this is to be the seminal Brainiac tale for the modern age, it's convincing me. Torque is correct in all that, but the reason why this issue is interesting is for the reasons why it didn't come out last week like it was supposed to. The cover is a shot of Clark and his dad talking, you know, leading on the fence, and Clark's telling a story clearly about something, something he did, and as Lois and Ma look on adoringly. And the original version of the cover, they're both holding beers as two adults hanging out, talking stories, often are drinking, but apparently that's too much for DC and Time Warner. So they pushed the book back a week to very awkwardly Photoshop in a label saying soda pop over the beers because Superman can't be seen as drinking. It wouldn't so, affect him. It's just so stupid. He's an adult. He can't have a beer? With his dad. That's just dumb. Other than that, though, I really like this issue. By the yes, way, no. No, oh, you are. Yes. Picked up the Brainiac storyline, and, and like you said, who would have expected it? But there's Jeff Johns again waving his magic <laughs> wand. <laughs> It's, it's amazing. There's nothing spectacular about it. I can't be like, oh, this part was awesome. At the end of it, I was like, that was pretty enjoyable. I think this is laying a lot of groundwork for the big story mm-hmm. that's coming with the, the big crossover with all the books that he's writing with, with Robinson. But yeah, this is a very sort of solid, solid storyline so far. And now I'm going to read Ron's words, and my soul will never be the same. Uh, Ron decided to once again weigh in and, and leave us his review. Uncanny X-Men number 502, because somebody's wanting to know about X-Men, and we certainly aren't going to be able to tell you anything. You're not reading it anymore, are you? Me, no. No, no. Stories 5 out of 5, art 4 out of 4. I don't know if I trust him. 4 out of 5. 4 out of 5. 0.06 of you percent made this their pick, so apparently just wrong. <laughs> now, I've been saying since 500 that I will look past Greg Land and enjoy this for what it is. Modern X-Men told the way that I hoped, and it's totally continuing. This issue completely rocked. I love it. But, dot, 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 Land did get to me. Dazzler appeared, and she had humongous tatas, which in the past she hadn't had. So unless she got implant, Greg Land strikes again. But it won't get to me. I'm still loving this. You have to praise his stalwart notions here. I guess. <laughs> he really likes Dazzler. He talks about Dazzler a lot. We've had arguments about whether she's a waste of space or... He was so mad Has at me you- that I didn't put her on the, the ultimate superhero rock band. I see this as very common opinion is that the story is really good and Greg Land splits the opinions down the middle, although Ron did give it a four out of five, which is suspect. Hint of good Speak- X-Men to him. Just, it's intoxicating. Mm. <laughs> I don't blame him. It's his book. He gets uh, it. We also want to thank Netflix, who are sponsoring the show. You can go to www.netflix.com slash iFanboy. Make sure you have those Ws to get a free two-week trial. And from there, there's like 90,000 titles. They got Blu-ray and, and standard DVD. Free shipping usually takes a day one way or the other to get them back. And God, I love my Q. Do you guys, I love my Q. My Q is great. So go over to Netflix and try. Uh, plans start as low as four ninety nine. So that you can probably afford that. It's just a, that's like two bad comics a month. That's nothing. <laughs> you know you buy at least two bad comics a month. You might as well watch two bad movies with them. That's what it, Well, yes. This is what I'm saying. They don't have to be bad movies. You know what, lady? You're negative. <laughs> I was a little disappointed. Of course you were. Come on. I'm not doing a show with her again. You know, while you were reading that, an email came in telling me that a Netflix movie that Connor told me to watch was arriving tomorrow. Uh-oh. How convenient is that? It comes straight into my mailbox. As if you didn't get enough email last week with the 150th episode, we have some more. So let's get to it. Yes, C.G. Rosberg, Ro- Rosberg wrote, I have a problem. I am an attractive, or so I've been told, young woman, and I like comic books. No, that's not the problem. The problem is that apparently no one believes me. Despite the fact that I make, yes make, my own buttons that I wear everywhere, never mind that I went to graduate school with the sole purpose of writing my master's paper on the anthropological and cultural importance of comic books, when I walk into comic book stores, the standard response is, oh, are you shopping for your boyfriend? Or, would you like to look at this nice, light, fluffy book over here? It's called Archie. 
I have a similar problem at cons and gamer gatherings, but it's more serious a problem with comic books for some reason. My next tattoo will likely be inspired by, if not ripped from, comic books. I'm contemplating naming my future children, or at least future pets, after favorite characters. Short of tattooing, yes, I know what infinite earths mean, and no, I will not marry you, on my forehead. Is there a way to convince people quickly and painlessly, but without being rude, that I am a geek and just as much of a fangirl as they are, fanboys? Is there a secret handshake that I just don't know about? I don't think you're hanging around the right geeks. I think that CG Rossberg's running into dicks. <laughs> but I don't understand what the, what's the problem. She wants people not to know about something she likes. Is that her problem? I think her problem is she's not accepted by, by the people that she goes to the store and meets or at the she con. She cares about what people in stores think. <laughs> yeah, there's the issue right there. Well, I can understand the idea of being, you know, it's the common problem of girl walks into a comic store and and doesn't get treated equally. I mean, it's the same thing like my wife went into a, a camera store and went to buy some rechargeable batteries, and the guy's like, you know these are rechargeable, right? And she's like, I'm not <laughs> retarded, you know. Um, I mean, it's, I no, guess it's kind I, of... I, I even thing. went to buy comics in a gay comic book store in the Castro recently, and the guy said, oh, you're like Wonder Woman, because I'm female, so mm-hmm. I must like the comic about the woman. And, you and said, by you the way... You have loved War Heroes too. Oh, no, am I judging you? <laughs> Connor, I mean, you should have seen this thing. (laughs) (laughs) It really is amazing. But anyway, not to get stuck on that. I think what she she really needs to to, to do is not worry about what the people think. I think that's good on a conceptual level. But, like, if she's got no other friends and her only outlet is the comic store to be with people that like what she likes, then that's going to be difficult to not be treated equally. No, but the minute she opens her mouth, they'll know that she knows what she's talking about. And if they don't accept her then, then then they're just assholes. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Hang around on iFanboy.com. We seem to be cool about that. So you can get out all your want to talk to people about comic stuff. Yeah. yeah. That is such a self-serving yeah. answer. But works No, I mean, I had this problem for many years. I, I, people did not believe that I liked comics or believe that I knew more about them than they did. And I've never dated anybody who liked comics the way I do. It's been very frustrating to not have that outlet to talk about them with somebody I care about and trying to force guys to read comics is really unfun. So I do understand what she's saying, but I think at a certain point you just have to let go and say, look, I like what I like. I don't really care if you believe that I'm worthy or intelligent enough in this field. It's, you know... She, she obviously is, and she obviously likes what she likes, and they'll figure that out as soon as she opens her mouth. Hmm. Seriously, though, Sonia, you're buying these books for your boyfriend, aren't you? Yeah. Buying books for what boyfriend? Yep. <laughs> 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 Fucking hell. Uh, yeah, why do you think I'm in such a good mood? <clears throat> John Haas writes in from New York and says, I'm pushing through. I was just watching Volume 4 of Batman the Animated Series, specifically Over the Edge, Please let Paul know how amazing that episode is for me. Well, if next time we see him, I'll try to remember that. Yep. Paul uh, doesn't any- care what we think. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he cares. He's very gracious. Anyway, it has both Bane and Batgirl in it, which got me thinking. In the comics, how come Batman could overcome a broken back, but Barbara can't? Why won't Bruce help her out and fix her spine like he fixed his? Because <laughs> he hates it's, it. it's a simple answer, and the answer is... Yes, logically within the world of comics, anything can be fixed, so they could, if they wanted to, very easily snap their fingers or press the wacky button, as Dan Slott says, Mm -hmm. and Barbara Gordon could walk again. But they're not going to because, look, this is coming from someone who loves her as Batgirl, and I know everyone loves her as Batgirl, but she's a better character as Oracle. She's an awesome character as Oracle. She's more useful as Oracle. She fits in all over the DCU. She's more rich. She's more has more depth. She was made a better and more interesting character as Oracle. Again, as someone who loves her as Batgirl and fell in love with her all over again in the recent Batman Confidential arc, but she's made a better character. So for that reason, they will never fix her back. Never say never. But it's not because they can't, or logically they can't, anything can happen, but they just won't because she's a better character that way. Do you know this, like, what actually happened to him when Bane broke his back? Like, maybe when he broke his back, it pinched the spine, but, like, when she was shot, it severed the spine? Or, I, don't know. I, don't, I don't remember the details of what happened. I just remember the back breaking. But, yeah. They, I mean, back, sometimes you break your back and you come back, and it's just not as I mean, severe as she was shot through the spine, but even then, anything can, anything can be fixed. Anything can be fixed by the snap of a finger or the wave of the specter's hand or whatever, So, but they just they won't because the character's better. Also, this Batman crippled that would be the end of batman that would no one would read that anymore no because it Some happened guy. to tony stark he yeah but super bat pants super bat pants that would let him walk <laughs> i want to see his bat pants that sounds great he would, look the same. <laughs> he would look a lot like the end of dark knight returns that big 
Okay. Yeah. Anti-Superman suit. Big clunky back pants. Yeah. See, now he can't wear a big clunky suit, and so it, they can't leave his spine broken. But she's not needed. There are enough girls in little black suits running around. It's true. And- she's unique. She's totally unique as a character now. That's now, the thing is, there was yeah. a space that which she vacated as Batgirl, which has been filled. But the space that she would vacate as Oracle is she's completely. There is nobody else like her, and I think that's yeah. great. And it, also, that makes that her in her, her relationship with with Dick Grayson all the more interesting. Although they hate each other right now. Do they? Well, because it's the standard ex-girlfriend, boyfriend. We're pissed at each other a moment. Nice. Did they go out? Oh, yes, they did. Sorry. Oh, ew. Good, good times. Good times. What, what you're talking about now is, like, whatever Ron's equivalent of 90210 is, that's that relationship to Connor. Oh, don't. I had to watch that first episode with him. Justin, a.k.a. Nuclear Man, says, Just wondering who each of you would have as your Green Lantern of choice. All Hal, or is there some love for any of the other Green Lantern Corps? Also, do any of you dig Firestorm even remotely, or am I the only one stupid enough to like him? I mean, he does have a flame coming out of his head. That's cool, right? Good for roasting marshmallows, eh? <laughs> he sold me on the marshmallows, although he spelled marshmallow wrong. So, Which lantern? Who's your favorite lantern? Uh, Connor, you're Hal. Well, the thing is, I like Hal, but I don't. Dis- that doesn't mean I dislike any of the other Galantics except for Kyle Rayner. No, no. If you're a comic book fan, you have to like a thing and then hate all others. I like Jon Stewart. <laughs> I like Guy Gardner. I like Kilowog. I like. You, know, you like Guy Gardner, really? I, I, he serves a good purpose as a, as a very yeah. belligerent. He's a unique character, also in that he's a warlike guy who compliments the other characters well because he's not like them. It's kind of a wanker, though. Right, but that's that's the that's point. The point. Like, I don't, I don't like. I wouldn't want to hang out with him, but as a character, he no, serves the purpose of being a wanker, which is good. So you're saying that in any given situation, there must be a wanker? No, I'm just saying it, wor- it works to have one of them be a wanker. That way they, you don't, they're not all the same person. They're all the same. Interpersonal conflict. Yeah. The other side is when, when the shit hits the fan, though, and they've all got to go off and Green Lanternize something. Like, you still want him on your team for that. That's his saving grace. Really? Uh, yeah. I would not want him on my team. I like Hal. Hal is great. Is they're Hal all your, pretty is great. Hal your lantern? Uh, you know, I kind of like that one who got mind-controlled in Final Crisis who was freaking out so much with a little weird shell face. She was weird. Oh, the Alpha Lantern? Yeah. Creepy. Mm. Yeah, she was weird-looking, and she was really pissed off about being mind-controlled, and I kind of liked her, and she had a good build, and she was interesting. But generally, obviously, out of the ones that I'm familiar with, it would be Hal. Because I've read a lot about him, I feel like I know him, I like his backstory a lot. And he's a good guy. I'm not, I don't know if I'm willing to say that Hal Jordan is my favorite Green Lantern because I think he should be Grand Lan- Green Lantern. He should be the guy. Like, that's the one who it needs to be. But I actually really like Kyle Rayner. I always have. He was sort of the first one that I started reading a lot. Well, unfortunately, he's sort of a man without a country right now. Like, he's... You need to be reading Green Lantern Corps. I keep yeah. saying this every time it's mentioned, but it's that book stars him and Guy, and they're a very good pair. Honestly, I, I always like to say I hate Kyle because it pushes everybody's buttons, and that's always fun. But <laughs> I really enjoy him in Green Lantern Court. I like him more now than I ever have from oh that my, book. Oh, my God. It's a good book. He, it's, <laughs> so. Him and Guy are like partners, and they go off and do stuff. And it's, they're, they're a good pair because they're different, and they're, yeah. so it's a good dynamic. And uh, just uh, no one likes Firestorm. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, li- I liked him when I was a kid. I don't really find much use for him now. You, you know what bugs me about Firestorm? A, he hasn't been consistent. I don't think we really know anything about him. He's this new Firestorm now where it was like the old one. Ronnie Raymond. Yeah, he never really had a, I don't know. He, he just, Professor Stein. Which is kind of neat but also kind of weird. I think it's hard for people to get their heads around. But also he can do like anything. Yeah, he was too powerful. Yeah, he honestly. is too powerful. Like if you, if you think about it, I can turn anything into another thing. You win. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no, you win. You can turn anything into another thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even as a kid, I thought, well, why isn't Firestorm just turn this guy into a loaf of bread? Exactly. And then the whole flame shooting out the top of his head. You may think it's cool for roasting marshmallows, but I can only imagine it's extremely inconvenient. And it looks silly. He's constantly charring the roof of his apartment. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. his, ca- his car is a whole end above the driver's <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, I don't just, have any yeah. experience with the new one, so I don't know anything about his character, but he's, he's never struck me as a guy that I, I needed to stick around or not. I don't know. Has he even been around lately? Is he alive? What happened? He's been around a little bit in Justice League, mm-hmm. and um, what was that story where he got beat up really badly? One How of those did he get beat crossover. up? Why does he change the guy's fists to said marshmallows? Th- that's the problem. That's the problem with <laughs> Firestorm. Too powerful. <laughs> Too yeah. powerful. It's totally like an 80s character that they were like, it's this... So- and then this. Well, this the 80s nuclear character, yeah. you know, everybody was obsessed with the bomb. And totally. That's Although, 
well, I mean, nobody, if, if you want the nuclear character, you've got to give me liberty. Yeah, but does he have a flame coming out of his head? Or Kingdom Come. I just don't think Firestorm's worth a lot. I'm sorry. He's we, just silly. We, we apologize, nuclear man. I'm sorry. <laughs> or I don't dislike him. I just don't, yeah. don't I, care. I mean, yeah, none of us care that much, I think, is the consensus. But it turns out Ron is a raging Firestorm fan that we never <laughs> We're misrepresenting Ron. Let's, let's we gotta we gotta we gotta wrap this puppy up. She's uh we it's almost like we can't contain ourselves anymore after last week's just smorgasbord of, of podcast. So if you have an email, send it to contact at ifanboy.com and we'll if it's good read it on the show or answer in the letter column on my website or maybe do a video show on it. All kinds of things might happen to your email. So send those in. And then uh, we we're skipping the voicemails this week because it's just too much to talk about. But they'll be back next week. So if you want to do that, send us a voicemail at call eight 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 fanboys, which is three two six two six nine seven. Thank you. Yes. We wanted to mention we got an email from the Everything News Team podcast, and they did an interview with M. Sierra Garcia, who works over at Pendant Audio. And she had her on the show because they're discussing what they're doing to raise money for cancer research. And they asked us to ask if we could really quickly mention it, and you can go over and check out their shows, which are episodes 21 and 22, your interviews. And, and, and they, you know, they're trying to do some good things. So, of course, we will help them do good things. You can go to Everything News Team dot webs dot com or go over to iTunes and search everything news team and that would be good of you if you want to go check that out. With that I would say thank you, Sonia, and good day, ma'am. <laughs> good day, sir. Yes, thank you. That was lovely. It's, it's good having uh, somebody who's not Ron. Oh, that's oh. awful. I say things like that about him when he's not around because I think he you does it to me. Him. Jesus, she's on his side. <laughs> John, you next. Go. No, thank you, Sonia. Thanks for sitting in. It was fun. I hope yeah. you enjoyed it. It was really fun. You can check out ifanboy.com for the full Pick of the Week review of Echo, number six, and you can check out our in-depth comic book discussion there as well as all of the features and articles, and you can check out Sonia's weekly thoughts on the world of comics every Friday at ifanboy.com as well as all of our other great writers. So check it out there. While you're there, if you were thinking, hey, I was going to go over to Amazon and buy some stuff, if you were going to do it anyway, go to ifanboy.com slash store, and you can click on the little Amazon button on there, and you can anything you buy there will help the show out, or you can see... Uh, links from stuff from our shows or our own suggestions for stuff. That's a good place to do that. And every Wednesday on ifanboy.com and revision3.com slash ifanboy, you find the new episode of ifanboy, our full-length video show. And this past week, we did the classic DC vault where we took some classic DC stories and talked about those. And this coming week, we're actually doing the manga show or the manga show. You may remember we put up a thread a ways back that said, hey, what should we read? Well, we listened to you. We did the show. It wasn't something we just forgot about. And it may surprise you. I think the show will surprise some of you. Then look out for the iFanboy Minis, which is short daily shows. And then also, if you've got TiVo, you can watch the shows there. And that's neat because you don't I do. do. It's amazing. Yeah, you're in HD in my living room every day. All on a loop. That's creepy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, not on a loop, Jesus. <laughs> Actually, there's enough Just, stuff know. that you could probably run them all for a good amount of time. Thanks. There are ten built up. I have to say, I don't watch everyone. Sorry. What are you doing? We're on the show right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do. Good Lord. She doesn't get a t-shirt. But if Connor, if you wanted one. If you wanted a t-shirt and Sony's not get it, you go to jinx.com slash ifanboy. And if you get one of those shirts, you can send a picture of yourself wearing the shirt to jinx.com and they'll send you free stickers. Or you can send it to us because we always dig seeing pictures of people wearing the shirt, and Sonia's not getting one. Nope, not at all. <laughs> and if you wanted to email us, like we said before, that's contact at ifanboy.com or the voicemail, which is 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Remember to leave your name and don't go on for a dog's age. Yeah. <laughs> if you like social networks and you want to be our friend, you can go to ifanboy.com slash about where you can see all of our social network listings, MySpace, Comic Space, Verb, Facebook, Twitter, Goodreads, all those random ones. You can go there, join us, be our friends. Join us. (laughs) One of us, one of us. You're poking around (laughs) on iTunes and you're thinking, hey, how can I help the guys out? If you haven't left a review for either the video show or the audio show, you could do that. That would help us out a lot. Be honest, whatever. But lots of reviews and lots of positive reviews and things, those really help push the show up so that more people can find it. And we really, really appreciate that. Other than that, just let people know. If you're in the comic shop and you hear somebody asking, like, well, I just started reading books. What do I want to get? Let them know. Like, they did, we did a whole show on Why the Last Man or something like that. That kind of thing really, really helps. I and mean, we appreciate it. If you really like the show and you want to help, you can donate some cash to the cause by going to ifanboy.com slash donations. And you can donate any denomination you'd like. We appreciate it. Whew. Really, though, Sony, you're fired. <laughs> 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 oh no, I would hate that.
No more Thursday night deadlines for you. Exactly. I could go out on a Thursday. <laughs> if you work early, you could do it anyway. Sorry, that's how, that's how Connor talks to me. <laughs> you don't go out though. I know, but he I doesn't just, have to. He's married. I could His... not do anything. Okay, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt ganged up on, and I, I turned and I showed my claws. <laughs> Gonna wreck on your marriage out of existence, Josh. Yeah, you and Jeff Johns can try. <laughs> also, could we retcon out my student loan and credit card debt <laughs> and shoddy career history? Well, that's it for this week's show. I'm Connor. Sonia, oh, you're and the next I'm name. sorry. <laughs> and I'm Sonia. I'm Josh. Because I read my script. That's how I knew. I Otherwise, did. I would have said Tom. I, I didn't read my script. I'm sorry. You I stopped reading script. at a certain point. Like a I, life jacket. I didn't read the outro bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's not within his outro. Is that another British pronunciation? <laughs> I suck. I'm sorry. <laughs> East London is a vampire. It sucks the giant out of me. Dream of the 80s never happened before.